Welcome to the Faith at Work Sermon Podcast. I'm Pastor Jim Melvin. Each week, I talk about biblical and spiritual topics that I hope can help and encourage you in your life journey. I speak from a Christian perspective, but intend to be respectful and relevant to people of all religious traditions. If you are a spiritual searcher and don't identify with any particular faith, I hope that these words speak to you as well. Few of us are bold enough to think of ourselves as prophets. We might be considered delusional if we did. We envision prophets as bearded old men who ranted and raved in Bible times. We suppose that prophets were prophets of a bygone era who were able to read the future. But that's too far too narrow a definition. Prophets have continued to exist and still exist today. They are men and women, young and old, who possess the courage and insight to stand up against the prevailing powers and popular notions to advocate for God's will for the world. I believe that all of us are called to be prophets in sometimes small and sometimes profound ways. Jesus Christ was a prophet of his time, and of ours. I'm going to begin with a story that illustrates his hometown hometown community's reaction to his public prophecy. The story comes from Luke 4, verses 16 to 30. Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. As usual, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him, and unrolling the scroll, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He then rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed on him. He began by saying to them, Today, as you listen, this scripture has been fulfilled. They were all speaking well of him, and were amazed by the gracious words that came from his mouth. Yet they said, Isn't this Joseph's son? Then he said to them, No doubt you will quote this proverb to me. Doctor, heal yourself. So all we've heard that took place in Capernaum do here in your hometown also. He also said, I assure you, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. But I say to you, There were certainly many widows in Israel in Elijah's day, when the sky was shut up for three years, and six months while a great famine came over the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow at Zarephath in Sidon. And in the prophet Elijah's time, there were many in Israel who had serious skin diseases, yet none of them was healed, only Naaman the Syrian. When they heard this, 
Everyone in the synagogue was enraged. They got up, drove him out of town, and brought him to the edge of the hill that their town was built on, intending to hurl him over the cliff. But he passed right through the crowd and went on his way. You see, Jesus grew up as a faithful Jew in a community in the Galilean Galilean region of Judea. A story in the Gospel of Luke from when Jesus was only 12 years old shows him making a yearly journey to Jerusalem with his parents for a festival in the temple. And when he gets separated from their family group, they find him kibitzing with the Jewish scholars about Scripture. He was a child prodigy in the study of the Torah. So it's not unusual then to find the grown-up Jesus when he comes home, taking part in the Sabbath day, including reading the Torah to the worshipers, which he had obviously done before when he returns to his hometown. Jesus reads a passage from the prophet Isaiah about proclaiming good news for the poor and oppressed. The people are watching him closely and at first are impressed by what they see. But then they start to equivocate a bit. Luke says, They were all speaking well of him and were amazed by the gracious words that came from his mouth. Yet they said, Isn't this Joseph's son? His local origins seemed to be a liability rather than an asset. Jesus picks up on their skepticism, and instead of trying to impress them, he challenges them. In words that have become a popular saying in our day, he says, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. He presses further, and by citing scriptural references, tells them not to expect any preferential treatment on his behalf. He implies that they already are standing under God's judgment. See, this really riles them up. He's not here to help them. How dare this common son of a local laborer presume to use God's word against them? Then things turn really ugly and violent. They drive him out of town to a cliff and try to throw him off to his death. The prophet really isn't accepted in his hometown. Miraculously, however, he casually passes through the crowd unmolested and leaves them continue his work elsewhere. Rejection like this is a part of the prophet's job description. When God called the prophets of old, they did whatever they could to avoid their duty. The prophet Jonah got up and ran away. Isaiah pled that he was unworthy. Whoa, I am a man of unclean lips, he said. Moses said, I'm a poor public speaker. And Jeremiah claimed he was too young. He said, I don't know how to speak because I'm only a youth. See a pattern here? Although God made them an offer they couldn't refuse, initially these great prophets didn't say, send me. They said, send somebody else. I can and have recited a list of modern-day prophets. Martin Luther King Jr. always tops my list. 
Then there are Rosa Parks, Harriet Tubman, Nelson Mandela, Susan B. Anthony, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Desmond Tutu, Archbishop Oscar Romero, Mahatma Gandhi, the Dalai Lama, Thich Nhat Hanh, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, Rachel Carson, and on and on. But to use as an example today, I am eschewing my usual suspects for one of the most recent and bravest modern prophets of all, Malala Yousafzai. Malala is a Pakistani activist for female education and a Nobel Peace Prize laureate. She is, in fact, the world's youngest Nobel Prize laureate and second Pakistani to ever receive a Nobel Prize. She is known for human rights advocacy, especially the education of women and children in her native Swat Valley in northwest Pakistan, where the Tariq-e-Taliban Pakistan had at times banned girls from attending school. Her advocacy has grown into an international movement, and according, according to the former Prime Minister, Sahid Abbasi, she has become the country's most prominent citizen. Malala, unfortunately, came to the world's attention because of her attempted assassination. By the time she was 11 years old, Malala had become a voice speaking out against Taliban oppression. She wrote a blog for the BBC chronicling her life under the Taliban. And when she was 15, while riding on a bus, she was shot in the face by an assassin in retribution for her activism. After an arduous recovery, she became a prominent advocate for educational rights and based in Birmingham, England, she founded the Malala Fund and wrote a best-selling book, I Am Malala. In addition to winning the Nobel Prize, she was named Time Magazine's Person of the Year and won many other awards. This year, she graduated from Oxford University with a degree in philosophy, politics, and economics. More significant than the awards and fame that she has acquired, she's drawn worldwide attention to the abuses of women by the Taliban. The extent of change and progress that she has accomplished is inestimable. But on the John Stewart Show, she described what she thought as a pre-teenager when she first learned that the Taliban wanted her dead. She told Stewart, I started thinking about that. And I used to think that the Talib would come and he would just kill me. But then I said, if he comes, what would you do, Malala? Then I would reply to myself, Malala, just take a shoe and hit him. But then I said, if you hit a Talib with your shoe, then there would be no, be no difference between you and the Talib. You must not treat others with cruelty and that much harshly. You must fight others, but through peace and through dialogue and through education. Then I said, I will tell him how important education is and that I even want education for your children as well. And I will tell him, that's what I want to tell you. Now do what you want. Now that is 
the profession of a true prophet, if I ever heard one. Stuart was less speechless. And most of us are awed and intimidated to be in the presence of such young courage. I doubt that I could be so courageous at my age, let alone when I was a kid. No, I don't doubt it. I know I couldn't be that courageous. Could you? Instead of being intimidated, though, maybe we can be challenged. Malala can serve as an example of the prophetic stand that God is calling each of us to take in the presence of so many evil forces prowling the planet. When pondering your own prophetic role, you can choose your own poison. What concerns you? What speaks to you? What is God speaking to you about? Is it the hatred and lack of tolerance that we show one another? Is it the degradation of our planet? Economic and social injustice? Racism? Sexism? LGBTQ discrimination? Violence and extremism? Spiritual and religious apathy? The violation of human rights? Sexual abuse? The violation of the sovereignty of one nation by another? We could go on. But let me put it this way. What beliefs do you possess that if you expressed yourself honestly and boldly would make the people in your hometown want to toss you off the cliff? What are you afraid to tell your family and friends? What truth in your heart are you afraid to speak? Now, let me put forward a caveat before you pick up your soapbox and start preaching. Becoming a prophet is not the same as retweeting a hateful or unsubstantiated conspiracy theory or some pet belief of ours that we really don't know anything about. There are too many of those prophets shouting at each other on social media. See, Jesus wasn't a crackpot. Jesus was a student of Scripture. Jesus' prophecy sprung from the soul of a believer and a lover of other human beings. The first and most important step for any of us to become a prophet involves some serious self-reflection and deep and prayerful examination of our relationship with God and others. Remember, Jesus stood up, opened up God's word, and read it to the people. Then he sat down with them, people of his own community, and had a conversation. He listened He let God speak. Like Malala, he said, that's what I want to tell you. Now do what you want. As it happened, they wanted to throw him off a cliff. We must be sure of what message or messages that God wants us to share. But when we are, we must not be meek about it. Our words must be spoken from a place of love and compassion and knowledge and wisdom. Other people, even our friends and families, 
might not like what we have to say, but that should not deter us. God will give us the strength to sustain us. Let them make their choice. Listen to what the prophet Jeremiah has to say about his prophetic call and see if you can relate. The word of the Lord came to me. I chose you before I formed you in the womb. I set you apart before you were born. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. But I protested, O Lord God, look, I don't know how to speak since I'm only a youth. Then the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a youth. For you will go to everyone I send you to and speak whatever I tell you. Do not be afraid of anyone, for I will be with you to deliver you. This is the Lord's declaration. Then the Lord reached out his hand, touched my mouth, and told me, I have now filled your mouth with my words. See, I have appointed you today over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and demolish to build, and to plant. Maybe God hasn't appointed you over kingdoms and nations to tear down and build back up again, but he set you apart for a purpose before you were even born. Don't say, I'm too young. I'm too stupid. I don't know enough. I'm not whatever. Who knows where God will lead you? You will likely face challenges enough, speaking your true heart to your closest friends and family. But the Lord says to us, to all of us, do not be afraid of anyone. I will deliver you, just as he delivered Jesus from the angry mob. Have courage that they won't be able to throw you off the cliff either. Amen. Thank you for joining me today. May God bless you and encourage you and keep you as you proclaim him through word and deed. Goodbye.